You guys got me back there? All right, there I am. Thank you. All right, well, again, good morning. Um, this morning is, uh, is a special day for a lot of reasons. We had a great time uh, before the service, just gathering to, uh, to celebrate and give thanks for the Konefki family um, as they uh, begin a new season of ministry at Grace Anglican, and so we're excited uh, for them. We're going to take some time later in the service to pray for them and to send them out um, and, uh, and so I'm just really grateful just as we were worshiping just for all the ways that the Lord has blessed us through, um, through Luke and his family. So um, this morning we're continuing in, uh, in the series on Acts. Uh, and if you want to grab a Bible or open your Bible app to Acts chapter 7, uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, and as I was thinking about uh, what we just heard, these um, these words of Stephen and what he experienced as he was kind of bearing witness uh, to the Lord before the authorities of his day. Um, it made me think about my own life, my own experience of what, it's, what it means to share Jesus, like just in the midst of your everyday life, to, to bear witness. And as I was thinking about that, as a follower of Jesus, I realized that I live in attention. Uh, I live in attention, a, a daily dilemma, you might say as a follower of Christ, that every day I'm faced with the fact that on the one hand, uh, I long for my friends and for my neighbors to know Jesus. I long for them to know his love and his grace in their life. I long for them to know the God who I've come to know in my life, the God who uh, made them, the God who loves them, the God who longs to give them um, salvation and purpose and meaning and life to the fullest. So on the one hand, I long to share Jesus with my friend. On the other hand, though, I'm reticent. I'm reticent to speak about Jesus with my friends that don't know him. I'm reticent. I, I, I have this feeling of inadequacy when it comes to talking about Jesus with my friends and my neighbors. I have this feeling of anxiety. And more times than I care to admit, uh, I let moments pass when I know there would be an opportunity to share something about Jesus with my friends. And I don't think I'm the only one that lives in that tension. I think many of us, if not most of us, experience that tension. We long for our friends to know this Jesus. And part of that is because we know the testimony of Scripture, right? We know that when we read the Gospels, what we see is a God who longs for people to know him. We see a God who longs for people to know how much he loves them. I mean, this, this verse that everyone knows, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. That he sent his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The heart longing of God is that we would know him, that we would know Jesus. Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. In Luke 15, Jesus said, There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. This is God's heart. God's heart is for those in the world who don't know him to know him, to hear the good news of Jesus. And so it's this amazing mission that we get to be a part of as followers of Jesus. We're invited into this mission that we get to be a part of what God's doing in the world to tell others about him. A while back on a flight to Houston, we were, Langley and the kids and I were all in Raleigh at the airport and our flight got 
delayed. And so we ended up having to camp out for a couple of hours at the gate. And my wife, being ever prepared, uh, had an entire bag of toys and games just for our kids, like to play with at the gate. And so they're sitting there playing, and, and I was kind of sitting over here uh, watching this unfold. And I, what I saw was what Langley was playing with the kids, and there was another mom with a whole bunch of kids next to her. And she just invited that mom and those kids to come over and play with our kids and play with the toys and stuff that she had brought. And so I was kind of halfway paying attention, but at some point, I, it just my ears perked up because all of a sudden I realized they were talking about Jesus. Just sitting at the gate, you know, watching the kids play, and somehow the conversation had led to a conversation about Jesus. And I was just amazed um, because I could never do that. The reality is that, that is not me. That's Langley. That is not what I do. And, and I tell you this because this, to my shame, I'll tell you exactly what I was doing, and this is why I remember this moment. I was sitting there in a chair, and I was reading a book about how to do evangelism. <laughs> and I literally remember having this thought of, could y'all keep it down? Because I'm trying to figure out how to share Jesus with all these people, right? I am not a natural evangelist, okay? I need lots of help. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I'm, I'm the person who's reticent, who's anxious most of the time, who's nervous. It does not come naturally to me. It does for some people, but not to most of us, I think. And so I, I, I'm not a natural, what I would say is a natural evangelist. And so I look for ways to help me. I look for ways to help me figure out how I can share my faith with others. And so doing that, um, it really is important, I think, when we think about this idea of, of evangelism, is just recognizing that we all need help, I think. We all really struggle. Most of us struggle with this, and we need help. Some of us are introverted. Some of us feel awkward about this whole idea of sharing our faith. Uh, we are not sure what to say. We're not sure what to do. And the truth is that telling people about Jesus has never been easy, but I think it's gotten harder. I think it's gotten harder in our cultural moment. You know, the reality is the place of the church and of Christianity and society, broadly speaking, has really shifted in the last 25 or 30 years. You know, Christianity has gone from a place of kind of holding a, a position of kind of, of, of authority in a sense and, and a place of prominence and, and having a voice, I think, and respected to being disrespected to being kind of pushed to the fringes, to seen as, seen as not a good thing, but actually a harmful thing in our culture. And so to even talk about Jesus is, is a challenge. You know, over 50% of Americans today are what we call unchurched. They, they don't go to church. They'll never go to church pretty much. They have no desire. They have no background in anything to do with Christianity or the church. And so the reality is that as we look out across the landscape of our friendships and our relationships, that a majority of the people in our lives potentially, there's no connection. There's no connection with Jesus. And so we have to rethink the way that we do evangelism. So evangelism, for, for example, it used to be about kind of just calling people back to something they knew. They had a Christian worldview, and it was about kind of reminding them of that and drawing them back to that, what they had heard as a kid or what they believed at some point and kind of had lost along the way. But that's not where we are anymore. And there, there's been times in, in our history where really the, the reality was that you, you just wanted to show people that, man, this is a reasonable, rational thing to believe in Jesus. 
there were all these great books about, you know, the case for Christ and, you know, defense of the faith. There were all these things that were kind of saying, look, the historical Jesus was an actual person and that he, here's proof that he rose from the dead, those kinds of things. But that's not where most people are coming from anymore. Those kind of proofs are not what they're looking for, rational arguments for Jesus. People aren't asking those questions. Those questions assume too much about where people are. Because the reality is that Jesus is completely off the radar for most people in our country at this point, over 50%. So when we go looking for answer, when they go looking for answers to, to life's big questions, they're not drifting towards the church. They're not looking towards Jesus. They're going to the self-help aisle at the bookstore, right? They're going to a wellness retreat, or they're, they're talking with their yoga instructor. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. There's good things that can come from that. But my point is that they're not looking to Jesus, right? They're not looking towards the church at this point. It's just not in the mix. And so just inviting our friends to come to church, to be part of this, what we do on Sunday mornings week after week, or inviting them to a prayer group or our life group, it's just not going to work. They're not going to come. It doesn't connect. And so we feel stuck. I feel stuck a lot because I love these people in my life, and I want them to hear about Jesus and his love for them. And so the question is, well, what do we do? What can we do? We need God, I think, to help us think carefully about how we can share Jesus with our friends in ways that make sense in our current cultural moment. We need creativity. We need to prayer. We need to think through. God, how can we share Jesus in this current cultural moment? This is one of the reasons I've been so excited about Acts, about going through this book of Acts together, because it's really about the church as witness in the world, and we've talked about that. It's about the followers of Jesus living as a community that longs to share the transforming love and power of Jesus with those around them. And so this morning, I want us to look just briefly at Stephen in Acts 7. So if you want to look in Acts chapter 7, because I want, to, I want to look at Stephen as a helpful example, I think, of some of the things we might consider as we ask together, how can we share Jesus with our friends? How do we tell others? Now, just a quick reminder, in Acts 6, we're told that Stephen was appointed by the apostles to serve tables and to care for those in need in his community, specifically widows. And what's amazing is that this same guy that we read about in chapter 6 who's serving tables, later in chapter 6 we're told that he's performing miracles, signs and wonders, and that he's proclaiming, he's sharing, he's telling others about Jesus. And that's what we encounter in Acts chapter 7. He's standing before the Jewish authorities and he's telling them this incredible story about how God has been at work all through history to draw the world, to redeem the world, to draw them to himself, ultimately through the person of Jesus. And so he's sharing this. And then ultimately, as we just heard, heartbreakingly, he's murdered for telling others about Jesus. He's one of the first martyrs. And so what we see here is this inspiring but heartbreaking story of a man so committed to sharing Jesus, he was willing to give his life for it. And so it's inspiring, it's encouraging, it's also sobering. But I think 
There are things that we can learn. If we look at Stephen and what he does here, I think there's things that we can learn about evangelism. So I want to highlight four things I think we can learn about evangelism from Stephen this morning. The first is this. Evangelism flows from a heart captivated by Jesus. Evangelism flows from a heart captivated by Jesus. Stephen was a man captivated by Jesus. And we know that because earlier in Acts 6.15, Stephen is described as having a face that shines like an angel. It's an allusion uh, back to the Old Testament, to Moses, who would stand in the presence of God, and his face would literally beam from having been with God. It's telling us Stephen was a man who knew what it meant to live in the presence of God. At the end of Acts 7, this same thing is kind of reiterated in a different way. It says that after, as he's being stoned to death, that he was full of the Holy Spirit, that he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then as he died, he said, Lord, receive my spirit. This was a man who knew Jesus in a personal and intimate way. His faith wasn't just kind of some idea or philosophy or tradition. It was very real. It was a very vibrant relationship with Jesus. Everything he did, everything he said, flowed from this devotion to Christ. He knew in the depths of who he was that Jesus loved him, and it gave him this incredible security and confidence. And we see that in what he says when he's brought before the authorities. This, this confidence and the security that's rooted in Christ, it spills over into the rest of his life. He was a leader who loved to serve. He was bold and confident without being angry and defensive. Right? He was thoughtful in his response to his accusers. And when he was asked to defend himself, he used it as an opportunity to share Jesus with the very people intent on killing him. See, Stephen, he had this intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's what moved him to share Jesus with others. Evangelism is about sharing the greatest thing in our lives, Jesus, right? The greatest thing in our lives, the thing that's captivated our hearts. And so sharing him just makes sense in that regard. It's something that we want to share. And so the question, I think, for all of us, as we ask this question about evangelism, what is evangelism and how can I tell others about it? It always begins here. It always begins with the heart that's captivated by Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe this Jesus? Is this the Jesus that, that we want to share, the one that's captivated our heart? Has he really done that? Because the more that we are with him, the more that we focus our lives upon him, that we're devoted to him, that we're captivated by him, the more we'll want to share him with others. So that's the first one. Second, evangelism begins with listening. Evangelism begins with listening. Stephen was accused of speaking against Moses and against God. Instead of getting upset or being dismissive, he calmly and he carefully and he very specifically responds to his accusers. And notice how he does it. He walks through Scripture. If you go back and you read the first part of chapter 7, what you'll see is he's walking his accusers through Scripture, all the way from Abraham to Joseph to Moses and then ultimately all the way to Jesus and he's doing this because he's explaining God's plan through history to save not just Israel, but all of humanity. 
Stephen was so effective and powerful in what he said because he listened and he understood what those around him were wrestling with, what they were asking, what his accusers were actually saying, right? Which is, I think, what's so key when we think about sharing Jesus, it means that we begin by listening, just like Stephen did. The challenge is, I uh, love to talk. I love to talk. And I think it's one of the things that makes evangelism hard for me. Because I love to talk. And sometimes I feel like I have to talk. I have to do all the talking. I have to have all the answers. When I encounter someone and I feel that kind of thing in your gut, you're like, oh, maybe I should say something about Jesus here. I think I can't go there unless I know all the answers to all the questions they might ask. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. And so I feel that way. And I think what's so important and what's so beautiful about this What we see here with Stephen is that sharing Jesus for him began with listening, not talking. And the same is true for us. Evangelism always, sharing your faith always begins with listening before it starts with speaking. In my experience, people aren't looking for all the answers. They're looking maybe for someone who can listen. They're usually wrestling with very specific things, facing trouble in their marriage, challenging with their kids, uncertain about their career, some terrifying diagnosis. And even then, what they really want is someone who will listen, not someone who has all the answers. As followers of Jesus, we want to be people who are really good at listening. We ought to be the person in our non-Christian friend's life that they think of when something goes on in their life and they just need a listening ear. We ought to be really good at asking people questions about themselves and then listening, listening to what they tell us because then they'll know that we actually care about them. If we're good listeners, they'll know we care and then they'll want to know what we think. So second, evangelism begins with listening. Third, evangelism is about inviting others to consider Jesus. Stephen ends his speech with an invitation to consider Jesus. It's a pretty intense invitation, though. (laughs) You stiff-necked people, he says. Your hearts, your ears are uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. That is Jesus. And now you betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. You may be thinking, that doesn't really sound like an invitation. Um, And it's not necessarily a scripture that I would use uh, with some friends or put on a bumper sticker. Um, But it is, I think, an invitation in this sense. Is that Stephen, he understood who he was speaking to. And he understood the moment in which he was standing. You see, he spoke in such a way that he was addressing in a very direct way, but addressing nonetheless the fact that these people needed Jesus. His desire was that they would understand who Jesus was and why he came, the exact reason he came, to save them from themselves, to save all of us from ourselves, from our sin, from our rebellion against God, something they had explicitly just participated in. And so it's an invitation 
that culminates with Jesus. That's why he leads this whole thing in chapter 7 to the righteous one, to Jesus, because he wants them to consider Jesus. Many people in our lives, the truth is, they've never considered Jesus, not really. I think even some of our friends who have grown up around the church, maybe you're at a church this morning, they just have never really considered Jesus for a whole host of reasons. And I think our hope, our, our role that we get to play is we get to invite them to consider the person of Jesus. And one way we can do that is, is by raising their level of curiosity about Jesus. We can invite them to consider Jesus by raising their level of curiosity about Jesus. You know, sometimes I, I do this. I don't know if this happens to you, but when I'm talking to my non-Christian friends, I have a sensor in my head, a self-censoring mechanism that kicks in, and it kind of cleanses the conversation of anything spiritual. You know, because I, I just don't want to go there with them. I don't want them to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And so sometimes I just kind of self-censor, if I'm honest. <clears throat> but what if... What if talking about Jesus and talking about our faith could just be a natural part of our conversation for them? So just to give you an example. So every Monday, uh, we all ask and get asked pretty much the same question, right? How was your weekend, right? How was your weekend? You know, and typically the answer goes something like this. Oh, you know, Langley and I, we had a great weekend. You know, we went out to this new awesome restaurant in, in, in the Heights on Friday night, and it was great. You should go try it. And then Saturday morning we got up, and we had like seven birthday parties uh, that we had to go to for the kids. And so we did that, and then we just kind of crashed that night, watched a movie at home. And we got up, and, oh, and we went to church, and it was awesome. The worship was so amazing on Sunday. And, and, and John, one of the pastors, he gave this incredible just word from the Lord, and, and it just was really compelling, and it was, it was great and then we went to we went to brunch after that and then watched the Texans game and and yeah so and how was your weekend now I didn't say anything about Jesus right there right but I did introduce the fact that church was something that's part and parcel of my life and it's something that is really important to me and it's something that I love and for a, a friend of mine who is not going to church who doesn't follow Jesus Maybe it just peaks just a little bit of curiosity, right? That maybe it's just a step, a small step, but a step in them considering the person of Jesus. That they might say, hey, this guy, he, he kind of sounds normal, <laughs> right? And yet he, he seems to love going to church. What's that about? See, we want to meet people where they are, Right? Most of my non-Christian friends, they're not in a place where, man, they need a full explanation of the gospel in the carpool line at school. That's not where they are. But I can, you know, kind of leave breadcrumbs, so to speak, along the way. I, I can be authentic and sensitive to where they are by mentioning Jesus in small ways in the midst of everyday conversation. And their curiosity can, can take one step at a time closer to considering Jesus. And so evangelism is to encourage us to, to think of ways that we can encourage people. We can raise levels of curiosity so people might be willing to consider Jesus. Fourth thing, evangelism is motivated by unconditional love. As Stephen is dying, he says these words in verse 60. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It's incredible. I mean, this moment, he's being stoned to death, and his prayer is, Lord, 
don't hold this against them, what they're doing to me, that they're murdering me. They echoed Jesus' own words on the cross, right? We're immediately taken to Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Even as these people are hurling stones to kill him, Stephen is expressing love for them. Jesus' love for you and me, it, it is unconditional. Jesus chose to love us despite our unloveliness. He, he doesn't love you because you earned it or because you love him. He loves you, Romans 5, 8 says, because he loves you. God chose to demonstrate his love for you that while we were sinners, while we were in rebellion, while we were rejecting him, while we didn't love him, he died for us. He died for us. See, God loves us, no strings attached, <clears throat> unconditionally. And Jesus calls us to love others the same way, with no strings attached. Evangelism that isn't unconditional, isn't moved out of unconditional love, it's not evangelism. It's manipulation, right? Evangelism that doesn't flow from unconditional love, it's not evangelism. It's manipulation, We are called to love, no strings attached, not so that they will, to love, to love them. We want to be like Stephen. We want to love people. Stephen chose to love the very people who were rejecting him because he wanted more than anything for them to know Jesus. The question is, do I have that kind of courage? Do you have that kind of courage to love your friends that way? To love your friends and to share Jesus with them, no matter how they respond. No strings attached. So evangelism is motivated by unconditional love. So four things. Just again, evangelism flows from a heart captivated by Jesus, begins with listening, invites others to consider Jesus, and is motivated by unconditional love. My hope is that Looking at Stephen, and I encourage you to go back and look at this again, chapter 7. Looking at Stephen and talking through these things will help make evangelism a little bit easier. Maybe you just take one of these things and kind of chew on it um, this week. It might make it a little less intimidating, the idea of sharing with others about Jesus. But the truth is, it's still hard, right? It's just still really hard for us to do on our own. And we could do all these things that we just looked at. All these things, we could do them and still feel stuck as it were, when it comes to sharing with others about Jesus. Unable to to take that next step with them. Unsure of what to say or how to answer their questions. Unsure of what to do. Because the reality is they're not going to come here. They're not going to come to life group. That would totally freak them out. So maybe we feel stuck. Like, what what do I do? How do I take that next step? And this, this is why I love Alpha. We're about to start Alpha in uh, in about a week, a little week and a half. Alpha is an answer to that question. What do we do next, right? Because Alpha is for our friends who aren't sure what they think about Jesus. It's a safe place to bring them because it's for them. It won't overwhelm them. They won't run into kind of cheesy Christianity or glib, pat answers to really big questions. And so I love Alpha because Alpha is, 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 if you're not familiar with Alpha, Alpha is a series uh, of eight nights, and we kick it off with the launch party, the launch night up here. We're going to do that next Wednesday, and it basically is a party. 
And we have great food, and we have a short film where we talk about kind of big questions of life and faith. And then after that, we, we discuss. We get together in groups, and we kind of talk through this thing. And it's a chance for everyone, no matter where they are, what they think, to share and to talk and discuss these big questions of life. And then afterwards, we just kind of hang out. We have what we call the Alpha Pub, and you can kind of hang out, have a drink, and meet new friends. And it's fun. It's fun. And, and I love it because I've seen what happens over the course of those eight weeks. I've seen what happens. And people, they love it. They love Alpha. And part of the reason they love it is they feel listened to and they feel respected. They get to ask their own questions. They get to meet and make new friends. And it's totally different than what they expect, right? It's totally different than what they expect from a group of Christians or from a Christian thing. And they love it because they're not preached to, they're not judged. The reality is not everyone that goes through Alpha ends up coming to faith in Jesus, ended up being a follower in Jesus. But it's part of their journey, this part of this incremental steps, I think, towards considering Jesus. And that's what's so amazing. So we get to be a part of that when we come on Alpha. And so for someone like me who's not a natural evangelist, it's exactly what I need. Alpha is exactly what I need because I want to share Jesus with my friends, but I also so often don't know how. I don't know how to take that next step. And so I want to encourage you, if that's where you are, if you're kind of struggling in that tension, consider Alpha. Consider coming February 6th, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. Come and invite a few friends and bring a friend. Because it's a place where you can take them and you can feel confident that they're going to be cared for and they're going to be respected and they're going to feel safe. And they're going to have the opportunity to consider Jesus. So let's invite you. Consider coming uh, next week. I think they'll love it. I think you'll love it. Because Alpha really is. It's evangelism kind of made easy. It's evangelism for all of us. It's that next step. It's the answer to that question in so many ways of what do we do? How do we do this? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and longs for us to know you. And Lord, we pray that you would just continue to cultivate in us a heart that is captivated by Jesus. Lord, that you would give us um, the skill of listening, especially to our friends that don't know you. Lord, that we can really hear the questions they are asking, the needs, the hurts, the longings of their heart. And Lord, that we would be a people who just invite them in big and small ways to consider Jesus because we love them, no strings attached. Lord, we pray um, for, for that next step, whatever it might be for each of us. Maybe it's just bringing up Jesus in a conversation. Or maybe it is inviting someone to come check out Alpha. But Lord, give us a confidence and a security that rests in Jesus to take that step of faith this week. Lord, thank you that someone did that for us in our lives, invited us to consider Jesus. Thank you that you loved us enough to put a person like that in our life. Lord, we long for our city. We long for the world to know you, to know the name of Jesus, and we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay.